0: Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, Leadership Development Coach Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Do you ever wish that you could be a more conscious, confident leader? where you're able to go inside and do some self-reflective and work and come out and use that work in your relationships with people. But do you wonder how to do it? Do you struggle a little bit with what it is you need to do, how long it's gonna take, and what it actually looks like? Well, you're in luck. Today, we are going to talk to Elizabeth Bishop, and I've already recorded the interview, so I already know how juicy it is. You're going to learn all about the conscious service approach and how to be a more confident conscious leader. Let me tell you about Elizabeth. Elizabeth is the creator of the Conscious Service Approach and that is a research-based process designed to educate, support, and celebrate service providers and change makers in the world in ways that are personally meaningful, relevant, transformative, and current. She holds a degree in developmental services, a bachelor's degree in psychology and religious studies, and She has a master's in adult education she's got a background of more than 35 years in human services and you are going to hear a lot of her wisdom but a lot about her journey as well and a couple things i want you to tune into we've been talking about this journey of you need to develop a level of competence and then you have to have the courage to practice before you develop any level of confidence and you're going to hear all three of those examples how she's worked through that in her own experience in leading organizations and in becoming a more conscious leader. So tune in for those and pay attention to what some of the strategies are that you can use in your own leadership and life. Now on to the interview with Elizabeth Bishop. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. This is the uh, opportunity for us to talk about the conscious leadership approach and talk about how to confidently lead consciously, which is one of the things that's really important when we talk about leaders is that they develop that inner level of consciousness and awareness so that they can lead more fully. So I've given a little bit of an introduction to you, but yeah, it's your turn. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to where you are, what kind of the work you do, and uh, your experience.
1: Awesome! Thanks for having me. First, by the way, Kathy. Oh, you're welcome. Really honored to be here. Um, so yeah, I can I can tell you a little bit about the beginnings. I'll try to put that in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> I started in the field when I was 15 years old in human services, and initially, like, read a book as a teenager in high school that was about a teacher who was working with children who had um, developmental challenges and behavioral challenges. And I just knew when I was reading that this is where I wanted to go. So I started volunteering in, in the developmental services field, went into that, you know, academically worked in that field for several years and also worked in brain injury rehab, a little bit of mental health and all along the way, also in adult education. So, um, you know, working with people who were going into human services. So, um, that was kind of where I saw the gap. You know, we would always talk about burnout and, you know, um, we would talk a bit about self-reflective practice and things like that. But for some reason I was not seeing it translated, you know, and yeah, I had, had yeah, I'd had my own experiences with burnout and stuff like early on in my career too, you know, and didn't really have the tools to work through that or know exactly what was going on. And so as I was teaching, I noticed that. And then I went into, um, I decided to do my masters in adult education and I used that as my project um mm. to see how to best facilitate self reflective practice and through that I realized it was much bigger than just being self aware or self connected and that it had to do with what I call conscious service that's where the conscious service right. approach
0: yeah came tell us from. about that yeah
1: yeah so that um well it is a set of let's we'll say we'll describe it this way it's a set of 10 guiding principles with associated what I call cardinal truths and it really is aimed at alternative perspectives so taking some of the things that I think we're all like when we're in a role in a role in a role, role in service and turning it around so even things like when we talk about compassion fatigue mm. the idea that mm. compassion does not actually make us tired compassion is actually an expression of love. So we don't get tired because we're too compassionate. We get tired because we're not self-compassionate. Like, that Mm -hmm. piece is what Mm -hmm. exhausts us. Or that service is a sacrifice rather than a gift. Like, those kinds of things. And I think we're seeing a lot of evidence in the world of those beliefs right now. (laughs) But um, the core part of the conscious service approach looks at um, the relationship between being self-connected engaging in enlightened communication. So really embodying what we know to be effective communication skills, how that translates into transformative relationships, where there's a role of reciprocity, we're giving and receiving at the same time. And then how that feeds into um, co-creative community, and how we are actually all contributing to culture in our organizations, to the culture of our communities, we all have something that we're bringing to the table. And then the little tiny, very important, but tiny active ingredient is the self-reflective practice. So that's sort of how that came to be.
0: Why is self-reflective practice so important for leaders?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, we were talking earlier too, Kathy, about the importance of walking the the walk, really, right? Really, that is probably, I think it's one of the most powerful ways to lead and to model and leading is not, you know, that everybody needs to go the way that you want them to go. It's about bringing people together and creating relationship with people. I think that's Mm -hmm. the most important part of it. So if we're not connected to ourselves and continually, you know, looking at how am I showing up and what am I bringing into the scenario? And, and maybe I'm having an anxious day. And how is that impacting on, you know, the dynamics in my relationships? Or even what am I expecting from people? What are my intentions in this in this conversation mm-hmm. if we 're not doing that it 's very difficult to ask other people to show up that way. Yeah. You know? and when we do model it, people start to realize that oh it 's safe actually yeah. for me to explore this myself and to show up this way myself
0: so i don 't know about you, but my experience in in the nonprofit the the helping world. Is that's the last thing leaders want to do? Uh, is explore what they're feeling, all of that kind of stuff. Now, in the last few podcasts, I've been talking about, you know, in order to get that level of confidence where you are exploring what's going on for you, doing some of that those deeper conversations with other people, you first have to be competent at it. Like you have to know how to do it. Yes. And, then you, and then you have to like be brave. Uh, you have to be courageous to get out there and practice it. So how do people learn first the skill of self-reflective practice?
1: Okay, so, well, for me, it started very much as a I was personally motivated toward it. So things were happening in my personal life. Plus, I had already hit the wall of burnout a couple of times, yeah. you know, and just, and to me, it was devastating because this was a career that I wanted to be in yeah. Yeah. from the time I was 15. Well, even before then, but that was when I actually went into it, right? Yeah. And so to feel like, to realize that I wasn't feeling the way I thought I was going to be feeling was a huge loss. And the thought of like just hardening myself up in order to get through it, Mm. oh, like just no, I I realized I had a moment one morning in the shower getting ready for work. This was probably when I was on the brink of maybe burnout number two. Yeah. I caught myself just saying to myself, just get through the day. You just have to get through the day. And then I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be 90 years old and I will have just gotten through the day. Like, is that really what I want? You know, or white knuckling it on the way. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this is not, this isn't good, but things happened in my personal life that spurred me on. And I just went right into a lot of personal development, um, spiritual development. I started journaling. I just started asking myself questions and really start, I really, really worked on being personally responsible. Mm -hmm. So what I was feeling it was not my fault, but it was within my capacity to change and that I could start changing things that I believed and I could start responding differently. So I I spent a lot of time doing that before I saw the real solid connection between the work that I was doing and then the life that I was living basically.
0: Okay. I'm going to pause you for a minute because you said so many things that are so important. (laughs) Um, One, the title of this podcast is Surviving to Thriving. I think far too many leaders live in survival mode. You're right. Just get me through this day. Just get me through this meeting. Just get me through this next busy time period. That is no way to lead or to live.
1: No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Or sitting there hoping that the next person you're supposed to meet with is going to cancel. Yes. (laughs) Or the meeting will get canceled. Been there a zillion times. Yeah, yeah. But Uh, that's just, yeah, we don't want that.
0: And that's how a lot of nonprofits in the service sector and, and human services are. The leaders are surviving day to day today. Yeah. And if you're living in survival mode, there's a higher chance that your organization is going to be a toxic culture. Absolutely. You can't lead well when you're living in survival mode. Well so, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing you said was, it was you that took initiative. When I look back at my journey and I hit burnout two or three or five times as well, but there was one time, you know, I ended up taking a few weeks off of work because I just, I couldn't cope. I ended up on antidepressants and I was like, is this where I want to be? You know, is this, is this what I want to do? And, and I had to take that hard look. Then the, the third thing you said was you took ownership. And I think that's where a lot of leaders are waiting is they're like, well, if my boss or my board gives me funding to take training, or if somebody else tells me I need to do it. And for me, I was doing the same thing you were, I was reading Wayne Dyer books and I Cheryl Richardson, who's a, who's a life coach. And I started doing this self-reflective practice myself. Mm -hmm. And so it really is taking ownership for your growth and development.
1: It is. And the beauty of it is that you don't have to be a leader to do that. So anybody, and and I, at that point I was in sort of a middle management type of thing, but I also worked for an organization that was really open-minded. So when I came in and said, I'm learning all this stuff and I have ideas about things I'd like to do with my team, no problem, go for it. And then it ended up spreading into other areas that we were talking about. And, you know, I mean, I had, I'll tell you one story with a, a person I was, working with um things evolved you know my role changed I was there for both 13 years and at one point um I moved from a, like program manager into a program director position yeah. so then I was okay. overseeing another program as well and there was one team leader who you know we'd worked together for years but not closely but we definitely saw things from a different angle uh, yeah. and when we were on committees and things together, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, now we were going to be working together closely. And I was like, oh my God, she's probably just as scared as I am, Uh you know? So Uh I phoned her, I said, why don't we go for lunch? And so we went for lunch and I said, I'm a bit nervous about this, but I feel like you're probably nervous too. And we don't always, we haven't communicated well. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to manage this? And we had a conversation and we figured out how we would cue each other and what we needed to do, and we got so close over the few years that we worked together after that. like It was just amazing to me. And all it was was that conversation that started yeah. it, and a willingness.
0: The courage to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, but you know, it was the self-reflective practice piece that yes. allowed me to get there, because I started to unravel beliefs like other people had control over my career, or that I was somehow gonna do something and it was gonna shatter everything. like by challenging those belief systems, then I started to feel more courageous to, yeah. to do things, you know, and listen to my intuition. Like that was a big piece too. I started hearing that more clearly and just felt like I could trust it more. Yes. And that made all the difference.
0: Yeah. So if you think about that conscious leadership, a confident, conscious leader, how, how does that help them deal with conflict resolution?
1: Well, I think just even what I was saying there in that example with my yeah. my coworker. I think that when when conflict is going on, you know, we know that it's there. One of the first, you know, reactions we have as human beings is oh god no. I don't want to go there and I just yeah. want to go away yeah. and I don't want to deal with this and I don't want anything to be emotional. But I think if we get clear and, and use self-reflective practice, even in that piece, outside of the situation to prepare mm-hmm. and to really think about what our intentions are going into conflict resolution, that that is really powerful. Because sometimes the truth of it is that we just want the other person to see it our way mm-hmm. and just go along with what we're saying, or we're going to lay down the law and that's it. We're not really looking for, for developing the relationship. Yeah. And sometimes that means we have to um, also admit when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's difficult. I think sometimes leaders believe that they are never supposed to be wrong. Yeah. And what a true. horrible pedestal to be sitting on. Because
0: <laughs> So if that's a mistaken belief or a rational belief, what's the, what's the belief they need to have?
1: That it's okay if I've made a mistake. It's okay if I've made a mistake and I can take responsibility for that. It's okay mm-hmm. for me. It's not a sign of weakness to go into a conversation and say, I've rethought how I handled that. I could give you another example if we have time. Yeah,
0: yeah, go for
1: it. So I was working um, with a group of of people. And before that, we had been like peers. And I ended up going into a a manager kind of role. So that's got its own bumps that I'm sure people are- Oh,
0: I've been there too.
1: (laughs) The changing dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so one of the people um, that I was supervising, it's not, I don't really like that word, but anyway, that was the term. Um, we had to do the performance evaluation mm. and she and I were friends and there had been some things going on. And my manager had said to me, you know, you're going to address that. Right. And so I put it in there, which totally blindsided her oh. and she was very upset. Yep. And, um, we had to stop the session and we said, okay, let's just wait, let's go back and think about it. We'll come back and talk later. You know, right. spent half the night thinking about it, swirling around in my mind. But I asked myself a couple of questions and it was, okay, first of all, would I change the what, like the content of what the concern, yeah,
0: right, right?
1: Should I, should I just backpedal on that and say, look, well, I'm totally wrong. I should never have said it. Yeah, I yeah. thought, no, the content is still accurate, but the way that it happened, mm-hmm. that's my responsibility and it shouldn't have happened that way. You know, I right. could have done it differently. Right. Like we could have had this conversation six months ago, very informally and we can figure that out so that's the way we came back to it the next day i said you know what what i wrote is still a thing that we need to talk yeah, through yeah. Mm-hmm. but how this happened i can totally understand why you were upset yeah. and that yeah. was on me and just and then it eased you know and we were able to smooth that through and return to a friendship on the other side eventually you know yeah, what i yeah. mean yeah. but um, i had to i had to be both true to myself as well as be open to saying this was the part that I could have done way better. And I'm sorry, because I had hurt her, you know. So we have to be able to do that as leaders. Otherwise, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, and I I don't remember who the quote was, but I heard one time that that stronger relationships are on the other side of one, like two-minute difficult conversation starter. Um, If you could get through that first initial two minutes... It's like downhill from there. It's like, whoa, this is way easier.
1: Well, I think even setting the stage for those those situations, and I've done that before too, I've said I am really nervous about our conversation today. I have so much anxiety. Like, I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm afraid I'm going to say something the wrong way or, you know, that I'm going to have something that I want to take back later. So let's try to just go slow and do it. It does make a big difference. It really does.
0: Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It,
1: in my experience it has.
0: So what what would you say to leaders who say I don't have time for this?
1: I think you don't have time for the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an investment in the beginning yep. to slow things down, to be patient, to be willing to kind of work through the unknown
0: mm-hmm. and
1: sort of untangling things, but I am a firm believer that most really strong, intimate and genuine relationships do have conflict along the yep. way because we wouldn't engage in it if we didn't care. Right. Um, so, so I think that that's important, but I think that we waste a lot more time and energy and resources and talent and everything. Oh, we Um, lose people too. Yeah, we, well you do, you totally lose people. And then there's a, a, that energy that swirls around in an environment that is toxic and that isn't open to those kinds of difficult conversations is a drain It's a dream in so many different ways. And that to me is a time waster. I think we absolutely have time.
0: Well, and it goes back to, like we said, then you live in survival mode. Then your organization is like a cesspool. What kind of service are you giving to your clients? Oh, totally. You know, when you're like that.
1: And when you think that you're hiding that, you're wrong. Yeah. You're absolutely wrong because it's a felt, you can feel that when you walk into an organization where there is uh, tension. Di- yeah, tension and dysfunction going on. People yeah. can feel that that might yeah. not be the very first thing. Like they might not be aware because they've got other things on their mind yeah. or whatever, you know, but, um, people can feel it and they can feel yeah. whether it's safe or, or welcoming or whatever. Yeah. But you yeah. know, back to that time thing too, like you hear that in a lot of different things, yeah. I don't have time to be empathetic. I don't have time to, yeah. it's not an add on task. It's an energetic Ah but the energy we bring into it, it's how we're doing it, not what we're doing. We're
0: doing. Yeah, yeah. So Say more about a, that.
1: Well, if you're having a 10-minute conversation with somebody to to work through a conflict, 10 or 15 minute mm-hmm. conversation, you can either go into it like a bull in a china shop, you know, pounding through or and, and with the attitude yeah. that you're right and
0: pointing, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if
1: you're using all of the effective communication strategies, <laughs> if you haven't checked yourself out beforehand yes. and you bring that energy in then, you know, it's the same amount of time or you can come in saying, I have an intention here mm-hmm. to, feel, to feel safe myself, yeah. to feel confident, to come with compassion for myself and this other yeah. person to listen, yeah. you know, to, to be in my integrity. Like I can set that up ahead of time and come in and just be transparent. Like we're all yes. just human beings anyway, yeah. at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I don't think it takes more time no other than other
0: than the time you spend preparing but then that's like self-care to me that's that's yeah well that's what i was just gonna say i teach i say that you know there's a a tip step plan to getting into tough conversations and it's set up time to do that self-reflective piece before the i is identify your triggers or what's gonna you know get in the way and then plan for that yeah And, and the more difficult the conversation the more time you need to do that yeah but it can be that that time identify and plan can be like 30 seconds driving or you know it's like oh yeah I got to check in and do this yes but but people don't do that planning and that time to do that
1: And it is, I think what you're saying though is so key though, Kathy, it really is moments. So Uh we can, we're spending time anyway, before we go into those conversations. And it's like, oh my God,
0: this is not going to go well. Oh my God, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And
1: and maybe working ourselves up or repeating the last thing and getting ourselves all, you know, wild. So what if you, you, you just use that time in a different way? Yes. It's still the same amount of time. It's all about how we're using it Mm -hmm. and, and the intention that we have in that space. Yeah you know, and I like what you were saying there too. Like, I always feel like, you know, sometimes we think we need to talk through our emotions with other people all the time. Yeah. And I think that there's benefit in that, but I think the raw part of our emotions, we really need to give ourselves the witness and and be the observer to that first. Otherwise we end up just dumping the emotions on other people, you know? So just witnessing, acknowledging.
0: So you have gotten to that place through years of practice think of a newbie and maybe they're going, I don't do the journaling piece. And I certainly am not going to meditate. Yes. What would you, what would you give them as how do they build the skill of self-reflective practice if they're not a journaler or my emotions?
1: A lot of people are not journalers. Um, and I don't actually journal that much anymore. I think I did hit my quota early on (laughs) and meditation too. So I think you have to have a variety of strategies, things that are really like things that you do on your own. So it could be through music. It could be through some artistic thing. It could Mm -hmm. be just Mm -hmm. getting outside. It's, it's, but it's intended to connect you to yourself. So you're aware of what's going on. And then I think it helps for people who don't like to look at their emotions or to be there, to realize that emotion is really just in, is just energy and Mm -hmm. it's a messenger. So emotions are just telling us, you know, the lay of the land. You like this, you don't like that, you're angry, you're whatever. And when we acknowledge them, like just observe them, they often just dissipate or we get the information. So asking questions
0: like,
1: I'm frustrated. So what's that about? What's going on for me? What do I need to know? What do I need to understand? And then we get the information and then it it leaves. It might come back, but it leaves, you know, and it eases. And I think that's really important too. Um, The questions, just the curiosity, I think, Mm -hmm. is one way of leaning into it. And if you don't like to journal, you can t- just talk to yourself. I you're do doing that. It anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it anyway, right? Yeah, we are. So, and I like just you know, you can just be saying, Oh, that's interesting. You're having that thought again. I wonder yeah. what that's about. Is there something in there that's really bugging you about that? And yeah. you know, you could do it out loud, do it in your car. Nobody knows whether you're talking on the phone in the car no. anymore, no. Or what you're doing. And, and, and even if you have to do it silently, if there's other people around, yeah. but you don't have to write it out. So, anything that gets you to that space of feeling like you're present inside of yourself and then observing it as much as you can without judgment, you know, being gentle.
0: Yeah. So at some point you've done all this practice, Elizabeth, you've, you've, you know, had the courage to have some of those tough conversations. Would you say you always feel confident going into every situation? No. No.
1: I learned early on, I think I, at the beginning of this journey, I, I did at, in some part of me think I'm going to hit this, there's going to be this, yeah, pinnacle, yeah. and it'll just be so much easier so much easier. And then I realized, oh no, that's another way it goes. Um, in fact, the more that we develop these things, the more that life gives us opportunity yeah. to practice it. So it's like we have to keep on recommitting to a practice. And I have times, like I caught myself just in the last couple of months in a scenario where I was challenged by somebody else's behavior and I could see myself. I could be, oh, geez, I'm talking or I'm saying something to somebody. This is not how I want to show up. This is not what I want to be doing. I'm not practicing my own practice and feel and and would feel that being out of integrity. So I think that that's human and and it's more about being in tune with, okay, I stepped out of it. And that's all right. And how how do I want to show up? I use that question a lot. Yes. is how I want to show up. How do I want to show up? And, yeah. how, and I'm more aware now too, I think, of how I feel when I'm in that space and I really don't like it. Mm. So it's a powerful motivator to, to shift out of it. But sometimes it takes a lot, of, yeah. a lot of energy and practice to keep on moving through those difficult feelings or those uh, negative thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Too, right?
0: mm-hmm. Well, and what you said earlier about you know mo- a lot of leaders want to – know it all and be right and and the minute we mess up we think that something's wrong and that's not the truth the truth is you will mess up and there's going to be rough days and you won't always feel competent and confident every single day and there's going to be pushback and that's just part of it
1: i agree and i think when we do have those dips in confidence you know um and I've come to realize that too. There's no, there's no destination when it comes to confidence. I think that, that when we have that, it's just an indicator that, okay, we're we're starting to up level a little bit here or we're yeah. stretching, we're learning, we're in a learning curve and that's always going to feel yeah. discombobulating, yeah. you know, and, and that hopefully will never end, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. because so, we need to keep learning.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine, um, you know, nobody likes to be wrong, like when we're in it, right? Our ego oh, yeah.
0: jumps yeah, yeah, yeah. out and you don't
1: you don't get it or you think that you've done something wrong or you're wrong and you're thinking yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. it can feel really threatening. But that is like an ego based mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? But the the desire to keep learning to me yeah. is such a powerful energizing motivator. But then we have to get comfortable with that space of not knowing you know, so, just not getting it yet, you know?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And and that's what I'm curious about. So is conscious leadership, the conscious service approach, is it about turning inward versus trying to figure out what's wrong with the other people in the world?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's turning inward first as a key strategy, yeah. but then looking at how does that, how does that then influence the way that I interact? Yes. With and how does that influence the way I create relationships? And now, especially if you think in terms of human service or social service healthcare, mm-hmm. most of the time when we think of the relationship, we think of the other person being the one who's gonna benefit from everything. Right. We're, we're supposed to have answers and ideas yeah, yeah. and suggestions and strategies, and they're gonna take that all in and their life will transform. And then you know, after you've been in the field for a long time, you realize that that doesn't always happen so quickly. No. But the opportunity to recognize our own transformation is huge, and we mm-hmm. can do that every day. So it's not like a transactional thing, but it's yeah. like in, within the container of the relationship, yeah. that possibility for transformation exists yeah. for both people. Yeah. And then how we're, cre- how we're contributing to organizational culture, like it's, mm-hmm. we can't sit there thinking that we're neutral. Just because we don't say something in a meeting, or we keep our, you know, objections to ourselves, we're not neutral. If we're there, we're contributing. Contributing. So, how are we going to contribute, and how are we going to manage that from a place of integrity, as well as as looking at the collective good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: there anything that I haven't asked or that you want to add, or? Um,
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think. I think to me, it's, it's, well, it's changed my, my life living this way. And I think I mentioned that to you before that Mm -hmm. once I started developing, um, a a practice for myself has changed. Like I said, it hasn't always been journaling and it hasn't always been meditation or yoga Those it changes all the time. Yeah. Um, but what ends up happening, I find is that the practice turns into like a a state, more state of presence, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like you have to run to the journal in order to create that. You just create it in a more moment kind of way. And I have not hit that wall of, of burnout since then. I've had challenges. I've had imposter syndrome on many occasions, many, many occasions. I've had challenging relationships and dynamics, but I haven't burnt out because of the work that I'm doing.
0: Right. And that's incredibly important in this helping profession because yeah. burnout is just rampant. And yeah. so for you to say that this has not only helped you be a better leader, but also prevented you personally from burning out, which, I mean, impacts the organization is huge.
1: Yeah. Well, because I think that was the first key thing I learned was that mm-hmm. the, in the personal responsibility piece yeah. of it all, yeah. that yeah. if I was listening to myself, then I would be the first one to notice that I was needing a break or that I needed to do, do something right, different. Right. My cue would always be that I'd look down the hallway and I'd see a couple of people chit chatting and I'd hear myself going, well, must be nice to stand there.
0: And, <laughs> and I think, okay,
1: I think you need to go home now because everything on your plate, you said yes to, right. you know, like it was, I didn't, nobody else put it there. I yep. put it there. I said, yes, I agreed. Yep. And so now if I was feeling that edge, then I knew that I needed to respond to it yes. myself. Yeah, and people respect that too. Like once you start showing up and saying, "Yeah, this is what I need," or "This is my path," or "This is my direction," then people start. Yeah, people go along with you once you accept it for yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah, you
1: know, quite often, eventually.
0: Eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Elizabeth. It's been really good to, um, yeah, the examples to connect to consciousness and and how you develop that level of confidence to be a conscious leader. Is pretty powerful. Where do you want to send people to find out more about you?
1: Oh yes, so people can um, go to my website. It's at elizabethbishopconsulting.com. dot com. Yeah, and then from there you can see, you know, the links to the social media stuff. Yep. And lately, and Kathy, thank you because you've been yes. part of us too. Um, we've had a, a, a thing on Thrive Global, a project on Thrive Global called Conscious Service, and uh, the helping and they just ooh, blah blah the conscious service series <laughs> for helping professionals and personal caregivers and uh and kathy you've contributed, contributed. to yeah also, yeah people can go to thriveglobal.com and type in conscious service and those articles will pop up and that um is another way of of being in
0: touch yeah i'm glad you said that because i was going to make sure that you added that absolutely yes. yeah yeah so yeah. it's a good starting point yes Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Elizabeth, for being here. And uh, I hope that people will check you out and learn a little bit more about the conscious service approach. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can Inside of the training library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome.